This edition of the Generations Radio program originally aired in 2019. For additional shows on hundreds of topics, search our archives at generations.org. Welcome, friends, to the Generations Radio broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you today. Danny Craig in studio with me. And uh, Danny, welcome. Good to be back with you. It's good to have you in studio. And today, Danny, we want to talk a little bit about the relationship summit going on right now. 22,000 families involved with the Homeschool Summit's uh, Family Relationship Conference. It seems to me this is popular. People are very interested in relationships because relationships is what happens all around us all, all the day time. long, 24-7. We're so excited about what God has done with Homeschool Summits in general. We started this project uh, three years ago with this kind of harebrained idea that maybe we could reach people in the nooks and crannies of the world via the online medium. And uh, just a ragtag band of homeschool graduates uh, started this thing, and and God said, hey, you guys don't know what you're doing. Let me take this over and, and do something with it. And he really has. It's exciting. Uh, and we, we uh, continue to receive testimonials from families all over the world who have been impacted by the teaching that God has brought together. And so it's been exciting to see, uh-huh. and uh, we're really excited about the content, again, that the Lord has brought together for this particular event on mm. uh, family relationships for the homeschool family. And that's such a big thing, because you bring your children into the home, and voila, opportunities for relationships and <laughs> conflicts. And conflict. And conflict is the route to a stronger relationships, mm-hmm. it turns out. Because conflicts, when they occur under the shadow of the cross, then we begin to see a restoration, a mm-hmm. reconciliation, and a reunification of human relationships. And it's very beautiful. It's actually very beautiful. It's it's another example of the age-old, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yeah, Satan uses these conflicts to destroy our family, but what God does with them is he uses them to bring our sin and our need for redemption to light. Mm. And then he applies the gospel to our lives through his spirit. And what Satan meant for evil, God turns into redemption. It's a mess, but it turns into a beautiful mess because (laughs) God's involved and the gospel is there to restore all things. So that's exciting. Let's talk about some of the feedback you've gotten so far this week. Again, 22,000 plus families involved with the homeschool summits this week. And friends, if you haven't figure it out. Give them the website. Yeah, right go now. to homeschoolsummits.com forward slash relationships. And the event is happening all this week. So it uh, kicked off on Monday with our opening keynote. And then every uh, weekday through Saturday, there are five sessions. And what we try to do with these events is really tailor the content around specific themes all throughout the week. So we really push and pull the content and call it down to what we think will be the most impactful for, for you families. So there's a day on marriage relationships. There's a day on biblical foundations of relationships, sibling and peer relationships, parent-child relationships. And the last day of the event we're excited about is, okay, how does your family now as a redeemed bunch of people relate to the rest of the world. We're not just an isolated cloister. How do we relate to the world in our communities, in our churches? And what can God do through our redeemed relationships to impact the world for the advancement of his kingdom? So it's all free this week. Head over to homeschoolsummits.com forward slash relationships, and uh, hopefully you can find some great encouragement there. But we've we've gotten some great testimonials already. Um, just kicked off just early this week, but um, someone wrote in a, a message that just reminds me of each of our need to be daily reminded 
of the role of the gospel in our lives and our standing and position in Christ. And this particular person wrote in the following. She said, I really appreciated Vodi's perspective of the gospel. It was such a freeing message to hear. Here is my my paraphrased summary of my insights. I think until I listened to Vodi speak this evening that I've been living with the belief that although I'm a sinner and therefore I need a savior, that someday, somehow, this side of heaven, what I say and do will add up to enough life lessons via Jesus to do life right. Similarly, I've been thinking and believing that the peace of Jesus would be mine someday in real-time living because I would have finally figured out how to live right. <laughs> and, and she's realizing that peace with Christ is positional. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and yes, yeah. as uh, we obey, certainly that plays into it, but it's positional, and that was a relief to her. Good. Well, let's talk a little bit about conflict. But I'm going to take a break first. Okay. Okay? And we're going to come back and talk about conflict and how that works its way out through the gospel and and how family relationships really do improve and God brings about great reconciliation in our homes through the gospel in the midst of conflict. Conflict, is it all bad? Not really. We'll be talking about that next on the Generations Broadcast. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom. In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West, as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live. You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store. And we're back on the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson here. Danny Craig also in studio today as we talk about relationships. And relationships really is a context in which the fruits of the Spirit might manifest themselves. That is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be long-suffering with yourself, but, you know, it's another thing to be long-suffering with others. And uh, so, really, relationships in the home or any other context is a context in which love begins to manifest itself. And, you know, we get a good view as to whether or not there is a Holy Spirit working in our lives. There's been a true work of the Spirit sanctifying and restoring, renewing us. So conflict is that opportunity for that to happen. I think families all deal with conflict. Of course, if you are sealed off and you're hermetically sealed away containers, you're not going to have those opportunities with each other. But conflict is a a scenario in which God is glorified, in which the gospel can really shine, and where sin comes to the surface and is mortified. I like to talk about, you know, sin being something that sort of coats our hearts, and conflict is like that water 
that comes on into a glass that's caked with dirt. You know, it's all dried on and so mm. forth. And uh, so, in, in, until you shake the water, you don't really see the sins coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. And conflict offers that offers that opportunity for that sin to come to the surface. That's such a great point, because sometimes when a conflict occurs in our family, what we're thinking is, oh, we had this wonderfully peaceful evening going on. Life was just great. And then you had to ruin it by being selfish or whatever it is. Uh But all that was happening was the sin that was already maybe perhaps lying somewhat dormant in our hearts is just being brought to the surface. So conflict didn't change anything about us. That's who we were. It just made it obvious. And the other thing I think people need to understand, Danny, is that conflict is not sinful in and of itself. It presents a context in which sin might betray itself, as we've already mentioned. But uh, it's just simply the water poured into the glass mm-hmm. and then shaken. So mm-hmm. it's the shaking that causes the sin to come to the surface. So, you know, we may have a discussion over whether to have pizza or chicken tonight. That itself is not sin. You know, we're maybe a little bit of a disagreement in, in values or priorities or something of that mm-hmm. sort. But the conflict itself is not sinful. There are things that we fight over in the family. And I think, again, each conflict gives us an opportunity to identify the root reasons, the motives, and so forth. Yeah. And, and you, you bring up a great point because oftentimes it's so easy for us to obsess about the thing that is just the fruit of the root. And so we end up having a long conversation about whether or not, you know, we should really have pepperoni pizza tonight or if it's finally time to have vegetable pizza. Mm -hmm. But really what we need to be getting at is the thing that that conflict is revealing, and that's the root, perhaps self-orientation or self-centeredness that God is using the pizza to reveal. Right. So let's take the 10 most common conflicts that occur in the home. I might have a little more than 10 in my notes here, but... I think everybody could relate to these kind of conflicts. They come up all the time. And, you know, you have different kinds of conflicts. Mm-hmm. If you've got more adults in the home versus, you know, two-year-olds, you have two-year-olds in the home. I've got 20-year-olds in the home. That's the difference. So but, you're going to have different content, but ultimately the same hearts are working through yep. these conflicts together. Yeah. Same, same, same issues. We're fighting over, you know, two inch toys and I don't yep. know if they're fighting over big toys or yeah, not. Big toys, <laughs> big, big toys, small toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the differences. But the 10 most common conflicts that occur in the home, I think are include things like fighting over how we're going to spend our time, what we're going to do on vacation, what we're going to do this afternoon, where we're going to go uh, to eat, et cetera, et cetera, and who's going to be there and whether someone's going to prioritize this or that. This is a big one schedule. at the beginning of our marriage in particular. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, hearts might get a little embittered over the fact that, you know, one person's working more or not taking in enough time for entertainment. We're not inviting people over to the house. There's not enough hospitality. You know, this, these sorts of things. What are we doing with our time? That's uh, that's one of the common conflicts in the home. We fight over food. We fight over food, pizza or chicken tonight. I mean, it's it's something we fight over because I think we have our own personal tastes and interests and things that we find most appetizing. And, you know, some people don't. Some people say, hey, let's have pumpkin pie for dessert tonight. And the other person says, how about let's have apple pie? Because the one person likes apple pie over pumpkin pie. These are the things that we argue over. And and what's the root issue there, do you think? Well, the root issue ultimately is self and uh and unwillingness to love and to mm-hmm. be concerned about the interests of others and such like the thermostat is also i think something that people argue over you know some people like it hot some people like it cold in the in the house how about chores Ooh. 
George is a big one. Hey, who's doing all the work around here? I always do the dishes. Yeah, he not, never has to sweep the floor. Yeah, you're not doing your fair share. See, these are the sorts of things that we argue over in the home. Think about money. Number one reason for divorces, right? I guess that's way up there. Yeah. People Some say. Some have said it's number one cause for divorce. Uh, how do we use our money? How do we save our money? Some people are more savers, some more spenders. Mm-hmm. Now, does that tie into sin? Probably. Mm-hmm. On both sides. And that's the other thing. Fear and control on the one hand, and, and maybe uh, selfishness or laziness, laziness on the other. Sure. Then there's music and media choices. This uh, is a popular parent-child conflict. Yes, it is, <laughs> especially for teens. Yeah. Teens are very interested in certain forms of media. Parents would rather not they avail themselves to those forms of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting over who is to blame, that's a big one, for forgetting something, losing something. When something goes wrong, okay, you've started out on the vacation and you know you're 40 minutes into it and somebody left the passports oh, here's one. on the kitchen here's table one, here's one from this last week okay somebody left the baby gate open and yeah. by god's grace jed only uh-huh. fell down half the staircase way down the stairs yeah <laughs> but i was thinking who yeah. will we blame who do we blame for if this? he would have fallen all the exactly. way down exactly <laughs> that's a huge cause of conflict she did it you did it he did it isn't that what we argue <laughs> yep. about i think everybody out there is probably saying I relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> we have done that only about 4,647 times yeah. in this house. Um, who gets to use a toy? That's a big one. Or some limited commodity in the house. Okay, mm-hmm. There's only one go-kart. There's only one doll. Okay, here's this an is experiment. Where, this is our life right yeah, now. Here's an way. experiment. Put two <laughs> two-year-olds in one room with one toy for one minute. Okay. Oh, yeah. And you just stand behind the glass. Mine! <laughs> so you relate to this. Totally. This is my life. In fact, uh, this is I think this is uh, area uh, of focus number one for us with Katie right now. Jed is starting to bring some competition in the, in the toy front. But she also uh-huh. has cousins in town who also bring a fair bit of competition uh-huh. sure. as well. Sure. Absolutely. Great opportunity. People say, you know, socialization is a big issue. Yes, it is. And socialization happens when you get more than one child in a room with one toy Yep. for one minute. Uh, things start to fall apart. Huge opportunity for socialization. Okay, so here's another one. The bathroom. That's another cause for conflict. Especially when it's during the time that dishes are to be done. Well, yeah. Or, or, or when you know we're about ready to get to church and there's still three people waiting for one bathroom. So it's a biggie. It's a biggie. Also, jealousy issues, preferential mm-hmm. treatment, commendation for others. You know, anytime, you know, somebody gets something from mommy and daddy, somebody gets a commendation, somebody gets uh, a recognition of a gift, et cetera, et cetera, there is oftentimes a jealousy issue that comes out. My wife added this one to the list. I was asking her about the things that we fight over. And she says, decorations in the home is a biggie. How the home is set up. Now, mm-hmm. here's one of the things that I do. I just say, it's all yours, hon. That's, that's my basic strategy, <laughs> okay? Um, but, you know, there are values here, too. There's things that need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. There needs to be, you know, I, mean, I don't think a husband should completely back away from this. I mean, which verses are we going to place on the bathroom walls? What's the general feel and mm-hmm. flavor that we want our home to convey when people walk into our home? Decorations, there tends to be a fair amount of discussion that goes on. Mm-hmm. We have, I think, three daughters in one room, one bedroom still. 
And so, you know, decor is a concern. Now, we also have a number of daughters who are interested in decor. They seem to be very vitally interested in how things look. And so there tends to be some discussions involved in that. Personality differences. This is a biggie. Some some of our children desire more privacy, some less privacy. Mm -hmm. And so there are different values that are tied into personality differences as well that make for conflict. Sometimes people are just irritated because one person likes this style of clothes and the other prefers that style of clothes. Sometimes there's an impatience and an unhappiness with the gift set that God has given to others. Uh, For example, you know, you're perhaps, you know, very quick at preparing a meal or you're very quick at, you know, filling the gas. Um, But somebody else is kind of fiddles around, you know, it takes them a little bit longer to do this. So you're sitting there going, why can't you do things as fast and as well as I do it? So in this particular area. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, in this particular area, in this particular scenario, right. So, you know, there these are the things that make for conflicts, Danny. And, you know, the one other one that I would just add to the list that comes to my mind is just a general conflict around being inconvenienced by the neediness and the humanity of others. You yeah. know, the, the, this child, you know, is mm-hmm. uh, emotional again. Yeah. Or my dad is overwhelmed and mm-hmm. anxious again. Mm-hmm. I think this this is a lot of what we experience in our home. We mm-hmm. all have needs, and those needs inconvenience us. Yes, right. And they create a trial. What you're saying is there are emotional trials. There are physical trials. There are serious challenges that certain members of the household are facing, and this itself becomes something of a conflict for the others in the home. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Yeah. So these are the sources of conflicts. And so I guess my question is, we have to think deeper about these things than the thing we argue about. I was is the bathroom to, schedule really going to fix Right. This? I was talking to a, a couple who were having some marital issues about a week or two ago. And I pointed out the fact that, you know, they had a problem. But what would happen is, you know, they, they, they would shift their attention from the problem and and then begin to treat each other as the problem. Mm-hmm. In other words, the, the the problem was no longer the enemy. They, they had shifted it to each other. Mm-hmm. Now the enemy was each other. So they're working mm-hmm. on each other or attacking each mm-hmm. other versus addressing the problem, which, which could be a sin issue mm-hmm. in their lives. But the enemy became each other instead of the sin the flesh, or, the world, the devil. Or the world, the flesh, the devil. Yeah, exactly. And, and 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 the material problem. Right. Or the misunderstanding that was going on. So, in, in other words, the, the breakdown in communication occurred when they began to see each other as the problem, as opposed to addressing the problem together in the spirit mm-hmm. and seeking the wisdom of God in order to identify it. But conflict should give us something uh, to think about. Uh, We need to think deeper than the thing we're arguing about. There has to be, I think, a view of our own sin, a willingness to be examined, and to be examining the log in our own eye. In other words, we can't always see the log in our own eye. Perhaps the Spirit of God may open this up for us, or others may help to help us to identify the log in our own eye. So uh, so I think what happens in a conflict is we get an opportunity to identify how we're reacting and what is going on inside of us. It's, it's good to step back after the conflict and say, how did I do? 
because nobody bats a thousand here. And I think it's important yeah. for us to realize when you're thrown into a conflict, it's sort of like being thrown into a series of, you know, four, five, six, and seven rapids. Have you ever ridden the rapids? If you walked out of those rapids and you were, you know, saying, hey, everything went great. I, I didn't make any mistakes. I, I'm just awesome. I, I would say you, you got a pride issue. You, yeah. Or, <laughs> or you or you were tubing down the local creek. Or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you weren't hitting the fours, fives, and sixes, and sevens on the Colorado River. No, no, conflicts are these amazingly difficult rapids in our lives. And, and we need to, you know, afterwards sort of do the playback. You know, it's like somebody was – doing the video on the iPhone and then, okay, now let, let me examine how I did as I made it through the series of five, six, sevens rapids on the Colorado rivers. And you take a look at yourself and you go, ah, I could have done that better. I could have said that better. Boy, I, I don't mm-hmm. wonder what was operating in me as I began mm-hmm. to raise my voice at that moment in impatience and anger. You know, how, why did I respond the way I mm-hmm. did? I think it's good for us to do the instant replay. Yeah, and, and I think what we'll find as we do that is so much of this in terms of the way we respond to conflicts or the issues that we identify in the conflicts, so much of this comes back to our basic orientation. Am I fundamentally oriented towards myself or towards this other person, or do I have a, a basic Godward orientation? Am I seeing these issues that we're experiencing right now as uh, spiritual issues, or am I seeing them just as fleshly issues on a on a on a human level am i seeing these the situation as an opportunity for me to get my perspective across to this other person or am i seeing this as an opportunity for me to be an ambassador of reconciliation toward the person i'm having this conflict with so you know, so much of this is an orientation issue yeah as we identify the roots and i think that's number 1 if i was to place number 1 it would have to be the orientation it would have to be is self number 1 in this equation yeah am i most concerned about self am i loving myself with all my heart soul mind mm-hmm. and strength and oh yeah, wasn't I supposed to love God with my heart, soul, mm-hmm. mind, and strength? I, I think that's the very first thing. Our right view of God. Are we interested in ourselves, our own glory, or in God's glory first and foremost? We need to ask ourselves that question. Is God number one, or am I number one? You know, if I can just make this really practical for a moment and use a real-life example. From within the last hour, I was on a call with my brother, who's my business partner, and we had a conversation about an issue that it wasn't the worst conversation in the world, but it wasn't the best conversation. So you step back and give yourself a C plus, B minus, yeah, yeah. didn't do the yeah, best. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. maybe C plus. Okay. And uh, I, I was thinking about it on the way here because I knew we were going to be talking about conflicts. And I realized the issue was the fact that he was bringing to me an issue that I just didn't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so what I was operating in in that moment was a basic self-orientation. I saw the issue as inconveniencing me as taking my time, as you know, emotionally disturbing me because maybe I had the sense that everything was going well and, and the issue he brought to bear disturbed that. Whereas if I would have had a God orientation in that moment, I would have thought to myself, okay, here is a person that needs some help. And I may not have the answer this moment, but I know a God who can help us. You know, I, I, I know a God who can help me help this person. And now I have an opportunity to bless my brother. Now I have an opportunity 
to maybe take some pressure off his shoulders by by leaning in. So if I would have had a Godward orientation, I would have been concerned about and would have loved my brother in this situation. And the second thing is I would have known that the fix for the issue wasn't fundamentally going to come from me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a lot of what uh, drives some of our conflicts at home is we don't want to be bothered by issues because you know we feel like we have to fix them ourselves. But when we realize that we have a great God in heaven who can help us fix these issues, well, it's not as uh, disruptive to our lives. And so much of our discomfort, so much of uh, the anger in our lives, I think, comes from the fact that we are proud and we want to be in control and we don't want to be proven wrong. You see, it's, it's a self-orientation again. This idea of pride and control is so strong when we aren't satisfied with God's sovereignty, God's control. You know, if God is in control, you know, God is sovereign, then why am I getting so upset and kicking the cat over the fact that the cat just peed on the carpet? See, you know, God's in control of all mm-hmm. of this. And and the reason why anger shows itself typically is because, you know, we desire and we have not, as James 4 tells us, you know, we, and, and we have not because we do not pray. And we don't pray because we don't trust in God, and we don't believe that God is sovereign over everything that happens. And we're just desiring to consume more upon our lust. That That's basic right. self-orientation exactly, again. Exactly, back to the self-orientation. So these are the causes for conflict. I think it almost always boils down to self-centeredness versus a God-centeredness pride and control i think you know, that's probably 97 mm-hmm. percent of conflicts boiled mm-hmm. down to that now what has helped our family to a spirit of unity let me just close on this danny the gospel obviously the gospel for us because you know what conflict does is it brings all of that guck all of that sin that just coats the insides of our hearts and lives it brings it all to the surface and we begin to see who we really are and we begin to see that we need the cleansing power of the blood of jesus christ to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness the gospel is is what cleanses us when we're willing to stand under the cross of jesus christ we see all this blood around us. We realize that the Son of God came and bled and died because of who we are and what we have done. And so I, I think at the cross, we don't need the blame shift. At the cross, we don't need to turn away from our sins, but we can face it. We can confess it, and we can receive the forgiveness of Christ and his cleansing. So if, if we are cross-oriented, gospel-oriented in the family— we have no trouble mm-hmm. confessing our sins and then receiving that forgiveness. And that ultimately, that that good news is ultimately what helps us and allows us to shift from being man-oriented to God-oriented. And I, and I love 2 Corinthians on this passage that just brings this point and ties it into the gospel so clearly. It says in 2 Corinthians six sixteen, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Okay, we're going we're gonna to stop looking at people on a man-centered, fleshly level. Uh, Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. So as I'm interacting with my wife, I'm not going to think to myself, she always does this this way and she can never change. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's that's fundamentally man-centered. No, I'm going to think, no, she she's a new creation in Christ. God's at work in her. And he and she can change, and I can change. And you're not going to be the control freak who said, "Well, I'm here to change her." <laughs> you know, 
that's not going to work either. Which is exactly what verse 18 says. Now all things are of God. Right. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So here we are. God reconciles us to himself, and now we have the opportunity to bring that reconciliation to others. And if we think that conflict is the opportunity for us to fix everybody, we got another guest coming, because ultimately that's God's work. God does it Mm -hmm. by the saving work of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Conflict resolution isn't about me fixing the other person. We speak the word, we receive the gospel, and we trust God to do the saving work. Mm-hmm. And he does that over a period of time. And I, I see this working in my family. I see the gospel working in my family, and I praise God for it. This, mm-hmm. this is the one thing I can testify concerning our family over the years is that the gospel of Jesus Christ has done its work in an amazing way. So here's just a couple other things, friends, the things that really have been a blessing to us in conflict in our home. Be willing to bring things out, put them on the table, bring everything out into the open. Uh, you know, let's not just shove everything under the carpet. My wife is very good at this. She, she, she you know, there, there's the potential of a conflict or there's some disagreement in the home. It's going to be on the table and we're going to be talking about it under the cross of Jesus Christ. So be willing to bring these things out in the home. Don't be afraid of conflict. Just press forward with confidence in the gospel and knowing that God has ordained these things for his own glory. Never talk behind people's backs. Confess sin and and pray together. Keep confessing sin. You know, it's interesting. The confession of sin is something where, you know, you keep confessing it, you'll find that the roots kind of work their way out. You know, it's sometimes you don't get to the roots with every confession, but confession is so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, James brings that out a number of times, but if you're just open to confess and to be humble, that's so key in the working out of conflict uh, in the gospel. And friends, also watch out for the roots of unedifying conversation as well. Ask yourself, is this going the right direction? That's critical. Also, watch out for your thought life. Thinking the mm-hmm. worst of others is such a terrible sense. It must be avoided like the plague. We start you know, thinking the wrong thing in our thoughts usually plays out in our words. So if you can catch it in your thought life first, that's a good place to begin confessing sins so it doesn't work its way out into um, more mm-hmm. destructive sins in your relationships in the home. Also, here's one more point that uh, I wanted to bring out before we're done, Danny, and that is, you know, as we we come together as couples in our marriages or in our families, uh, you know, one person at least needs to stick with a soft answer that turns away wrath. You know, if one person is saying, you know, this is a difficult conundrum, we need to pray for wisdom on this one, instead of responding in a fleshly manner, it can really move the conversation to a better direction quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if one person is is willing to humble themselves and to stick with a soft answer, turning away wrath, so much better as we work through these conflicts in our homes. Yeah, pride is such a blinder for us. I've just seen that again and again. It blinds me to my sin. It blinds me to the truth about my 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 spouse's or my children's sin. Uh, but if we approach the conflict with humility, that begets humility, it begets mm-hmm. clarity, and ultimately we can then see, see clearly 
to maybe help the other person we're with to remove the speck out of their eye. And I'd like to end with Philippians 2.3 on that note. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. So friends, if you ever think you know, you've humbled yourself more than anybody in the world, no, no, no. Jesus Christ, our Savior, humbled himself from the heights of heaven to the, the depths of the cross And he did that because he wasn't considering himself. He was considering the interests of others. He's our example in this. Let's follow our example. Let's receive his forgiveness and his cleansing and walk in his footsteps. And that wraps up this edition of the Generations Radio Broadcast. Let me encourage you to our little book, Family Life. As a basic introduction to family relationships, we got an entire chapter on family relationships and the exercise of the fruits of the Spirit in family life. So check out our book, Family Life, at our website, generations.org or kevinswanson.com. And don't forget the online relationship summit going on right now. Homeschoolsummits.com forward slash relationships, all free this week. And you've been listening to Generations Broadcast. This is Kevin Swanson, Danny Craig in studio, and we welcome you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.